The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey everyone, Matt Straup, welcome you to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. Today on the show, we're going to talk through a handful of waiver wire options. Joining me is the guy who's been hosting the show while I was away the last month, George Bissell. George, here is how this is going to go. All of these waiver wire options are rostered in around 50% or less of Yahoo Leagues. You are going to rank your enthusiasm level on a scale of 1 to 10. Half points are allowed. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. It's uh, good right. to be back on the pod. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it must have feel like it's been forever. Uh, first, we'll start with bats. The first bat we're going to talk about is Malik Smith. Now, he's rostered in 55% of Yahoo Leagues, a relatively high ownership number, but it gives us a chance to talk about his recent play. He came into late May. As of May 27th, he was hitting 164. He actually had a couple of hits and stole four bases that day, and since then, he's hitting 285 with three homers and 17 steals, plus 12 doubles and four triples, a 794 OPS, looking a lot more like the Malik Smith we saw last year. George, what is your confidence level in Malik's as a pickup slash fantasy option going forward? One to 10. I think it's higher than a 10. I don't, frankly, I don't really understand the ownership number. Um, the thing that's confusing to me is you know, outfield is pretty deep. You can find options out there to, to basically give you power and counting stats across the board. And I'm looking at some of the ownership percentage, and Jorge Soler is a guy who just hit his 25th home run yesterday yep. on Sunday, and he's still out there in like a quarter of leagues in, in most fantasy outlets. So I'm a little surprised, and maybe it's just the depth of the position, you know, some shallower leagues where you can only start three outfielders. But Smith's got a chance here. You know, he's got, as you mentioned, he came back in midway. He's got 17 steals. Since then, he's also hit four home runs during that span. Looked like a completely different hitter than the one we saw early in the year. Kind of rediscovered himself after getting demoted. So I'm extremely confident in Smith moving forward. I think he's got a chance to steal 40 to 50 bases, and that's a guy you find a roster spot for. I can't believe we went over the 10 scale immediately. Like, I, I didn't know we were going to go off the charts right away. I'm surprised Smith is out there in so many leagues. Frankly, it's shocking. You know, we, we deal with it day to day just covering uh, these games, and it's just, to me, surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, like you said, homers are, are so easy to come by this year. Jorge Soler 
52% rostered in Yahoo with his 25 homers. But yeah, yeah, a player like Malik Smith uh, with the ability to pick up steals and bunches seems like he should be universally owned. Uh, Next on the list is Michael Chavis, 52% rostered. Obviously, he was a big-time pickup earlier in the season. He had 12 homers in his first 50 games. However, he has three home runs in his last 22 games. The batting average is holding relatively steady. What's your enthusiasm level on Chavis as a a hold in fantasy leagues? I mean... He's more interesting from a long-term perspective, but for this year, I don't think he's going to be that impactful the rest of the way. I'd put it around a three or a four. The early power surge was impressive, but we started to see teams adjust to him. You know, there's that old saying, once the league's seen you a couple times, they start to get a book on you. They understand how to pitch you. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit with Chavis. Obviously, he's an incredibly talented hitter and someone who's going to hit for power no matter what you could drop him anywhere and I, I on any team and i think he'd hit for power so that's not the question it's just you know how special is that skill set in the current fantasy landscape i just don't think it's enough of a separator you really have to be an elite power hitter we're talking like a pete alonzo level power hitter to make a huge impact as a rookie right now so i don't see that from chavis and that's why i'd be uh tempering my expectations the rest of the way so we were saying 55% is too low for Malik Smith. 52% may be almost exactly right for Chavis, sort of a guy you could drop or could hold on to, uh, sort of almost a neutral piece at this point. Yeah, I think he's valuable in deeper formats. He's someone who's not a zero. He's going to give you counting stats, the occasional homer, but there's just not a lot of appeal for him as, as like a corner guy, like third base, first base. There, there are a ton of kind of one-dimensional sluggers at that's sort of the replacement level at those spots That where I don't think if, if you need the roster spot, I'd be comfortable dropping him. All right, Keston Hira is 42% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's back in the majors, of course, hitting 308 with three home runs, three stolen bases, and a 976 OPS through his first 10 games in July. Uh, First of all, are we getting too greedy expecting him to keep running, George? And overall, what's your buy-in level on Hira? Based on the minor league record, I would say so. Uh, His previous career high for steals was, looks like he got close to, he had 11 last year. Yeah, I think he had seven in the minors this year, maybe. Yeah, so he's already surpassed his previous career high at any level, but you know he also only had three hundred plate appearances last year in the minors. So, yeah, I think he's he's a guy who could steal double digit bases, but you're investing in him because he's a guy who profiles as sort of a contact oriented guy who hits for average. He's not going to be a sinkhole there. If anything, he's got a shot to hit two eighty to three hundred. I think once he gets, once we see sort of the peak version of Hira, this is who we thought he was as a prospect. It was a bat first profile, and the questions were more about his defensive abilities than anything. And he's answered those questions. He's going to stick at second base. The Brewers don't have a better option. I think they tried for a long time to see if they could fit some of their other pieces there. You know, Mike Moustakis, they, they messed around with Travis Shaw a bit. I, I think Hira is the best option for them moving forward. And I think he, to me, he looks like a 15-homer, 10-steal guy with a decent batting average, if, if not a plus batting average for fantasy purposes. So that's that's a valuable fantasy commodity right there. So if you're holding on to Chavis at a middle infield spot, I assume that you have no hesitation swapping him out for Hira at this point. Yeah, I'd say I'm about like a 9 or a 10 on Hira. I would much rather have him on my fantasy roster. Absolutely. 
All right, next bat on the list is Danny Santana. He's 36% rostered. Did not expect to be talking about Danny Santana in July uh, when this season started. However, he will not really go away for the Rangers. He's hitting 333 with seven home runs and four stolen bases since the middle of June. He has 11 homers and 11 steals total on the season. Uh, what's your number on Santana and your reasoning? It's not like we didn't think Danny Santana had power or speed. I think he's been one of the beneficiaries of the current league environment with the way the baseball is being manufactured, the way it's carrying. He's one of those guys I think is going to benefit the most because he sort of had like warning track power and you could envision him. (laughs) It's not a bad thing. It's just this is a guy who would hit a lot of doubles and then now some of those are carrying over the fence. So to his credit, he's taking advantage of that and he's always been able to run a little bit. And to me, the question is he feels like he's done enough to deserve an everyday opportunity with the Rangers, but they just have so many pieces kind of clogging up their outfield. You have Shu Chu, who has to play a little bit in the outfield from time to time just to keep his bat in the lineup. You have Joey Gallo in center. Willa Calhoun's there. Hunter Pence is coming back. Where does he fit? And I know he's a really versatile player, but if he can't get everyday playing time, he's not really that valuable a fantasy commodity. So the question to me is, do they move some of these veteran guys down the stretch and open up a spot for him? He's 28. It doesn't feel like you prioritize him. He might be more intriguing for someone, uh, for another franchise to say, all right, maybe we can go get this guy and plug him in. If the Rangers aren't going to play him every day, maybe we give up something to go get him. Uh, but if he gets everyday playing time, he could go 2020, which there aren't a ton of guys who can do that. So he, he'd be a valuable guy in deeper formats, but the playing time is the big question with him. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, there's probably no hitter that wants the ball to get corrected, whatever is going on with the ball. But like Danny Santana is probably in like the 90 something percentile. Like, please don't fix the baseball. <laughs> yeah, he had what? Uh, in 2018, he didn't have a lot of players, but his, in 2017, which the ball was carrying that year too, he only had four home runs and 178 plate appearances. So uh, he's definitely taking advantage of uh, his situation. Let's call it that. Yeah, I watched this dude play with the Braves, and and he would occasionally like run into one and crush it. But I'm I'm shocked to see uh, to see this, anyways. Uh, speaking of power surges, Jason Hayward, thirty percent rostered in Yahoo, obviously having a bit of a renaissance season with fifteen home runs and five steals, and he's not slowing down. He has hit three fifty seven with five homers in his last fifteen games. Now his career high is twenty seven home runs all the way back in twenty twelve. That's the only time, by the way, he's eclipsed twenty homers in his career. Do you think? Hayward has a chance to surpass that career high. And regardless of that, how confident are you that he will keep this going? Uh, There are two answers to that question. Uh, One is yes, I think he will surpass that previous career high. And then two, I don't really know how much it matters. It's nice to see the batting average back up. That's probably the biggest thing for him, the plate skills, the improvement. He's basically been nothing for three years he's he's been a complete non-factor in fantasy <laughs> yeah. and that, that's there's no way to sugarcoat it i mean just go back through the last three three seasons he wasn't hitting for power wasn't stealing bases counting stats were pedestrian and the batting average and and on base skills were were not good so it's surprising to see the renaissance but he's 29 years old it's not like he can't reinvent himself at this age he's we've talked a lot about changes to his swing in the past and Look, I believe in Hayward, but look at how deep outfield is. I mean, really go through it. You get to like 30, 40 names before you start really thinking about some some options that you may be less confident in. The, the position is just so deep right now that 
I don't know that Hayward really makes a difference outside of deeper leagues. We're talking mm-hmm. like 15-team leagues where you have to play five outfielders. That's where I think he really makes a difference. If you're talking like a 12-team league with three outfielders or even five outfielders, I, I don't know that he, he makes a huge difference for you. Yeah, such a strange season that this dude is going to make a run at 30 home yeah, runs with, like with AJ, a good batting average. <laughs> like A.J. Pollock is still out there in some leagues. He had a home run last night against the Red Sox on Sunday night, and I think he's a really good player. He's just been hurt a lot, and, and like you have to find a spot for a guy like that. And how many other outfielders are out there? We, we talked about Jorge Soler earlier. Right. It's just such a deep position right now. Yeah, Pollock is 55% rostered, by the way. Uh, one more bat before we move on to pitchers. Nate Lowe, 26% rostered. He's been absolutely mashing for the Rays lately. A 345 average and five home runs in his first eight games back with the big league club. However, speaking of playing time, things may get a bit complicated now. G-Man Choi has been activated. Brandon Lau doesn't appear to be too far behind. So do you have faith that Lowe can stick around, keep getting at bats, and keep producing? Or are you concerned about the playing time? Uh, well, they have another guy, Mike Brosseau, who is just crushing lefties right now, and they got a bunch of them on tap this week. Uh, he's been good, too. <laughs> Yandy Diaz, they have so many bats there. It feels like, to me, he's got a shot to stick, but if he's not going to play every day, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to keep him on the roster. So I think they need to really figure out in the next two to three weeks here what they want to do with those positions long-term, because if you think Nate Lowe is, is an option for you long-term, you have to start giving him those at-bats now, and you have to move on from a guy like Choi. And I don't think they want to do that. I think they like Choi. They like some of the other options they have. Uh, obviously, Brandon Lau isn't isn't going anywhere. He was an all-star. I think they're in a tough spot, and I, I think there's a good chance he gets sent back to the minors. My enthusiasm would be a little bit, uh, no pun intended. It <laughs> don't, would be, don't do it. Don't do it. It would be lower than some of the other names we've talked about. But long-term, I think this is a guy who's impactful in fantasy. But that was an accidental. I accidentally set you up for that one. I really didn't you mean did. to. Yep. Yeah, but but it was there. <laughs> you the trap was there, and and you walked into it knowingly. All right, so let's get into a handful of arms here. Andrew Kashner is forty nine percent rostered now. A bunch of people have added him after the trade to the Red Sox. He has been pitching well lately, at least in terms of ERA. One forty one ERA his last five starts. However, just eighteen strikeouts in his last thirty two innings over that stretch. Are you feeling it at all, or no? No, no way. Absolutely not. Uh, the problem with a guy like Kashner is when you look at the strikeout upside, there's not enough there to justify the trade-off from a run prevention standpoint where he's still pitching in the American League East. These these are not right. exactly easy matchups for him. Right. Uh, he's still going to get the Yankees, Tampa Bay, Toronto's a good offense, and now he has to face the Orioles who, you know, they've been good offensively this year. They haven't been horrible. So I, I just think he's still in a tough spot and... Look, his ERA is still, you know, not great. <laughs> Moving to Boston doesn't exactly help. Uh, he may pick <laughs> up a few more wins, but I, I'm not that interested in Andrew Kashner. You, you want to go after strikeouts when you're targeting a fantasy pitcher. If you just strip out all the other data, the one thing you want to really look at is strikeout rate, and then you start to go in some of the, the more ancillary metrics. But strikeout rate's the core of how you want to build your staff, and, and Kashner's at about like six per nine. Uh, that's That's not exactly going to do it. Yeah, 66 in 96 in the third innings for him. Uh, I agree. I agree. It just seems like there is way more downside than upside here in picking him up. But a lot of people have been doing it, so worth talking about. Next up, Emilio Pagan. He's 42% rostered. Looks like potentially the top closing option for the Rays, who we are talking about a lot apparently today, with Jose Alvarado out six to eight weeks with an oblique injury. 
Diego Castillo also in the equation. How high is your confidence in Pagan as a fantasy difference maker down the stretch? It's about a 10. The velocity's been up. He's looked like a completely different pitcher. Really a good find. I don't want to, you know, give Therese a ton of credit here, but, you know, this was a nice <laughs> find. I, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, you know, giving them too much credit, but this was a really nice pickup by them, I, I thought. And to Pagan's credit, he's taken the job and he's kind of run with it. Diego Castillo struggled. I don't think he has a real shot to get back into this mix. They're both right-handed, so I would not be, I would not be interested in Diego Castillo right now. Alvarado, you mentioned, is out, so it looks like this is Pagan's job. He's he's kind of running away with it right now, and uh, he's been one of the better relievers in baseball this year. So I think he's a guy who needs to be owned in all leagues. The same thing for Liam Hendricks. Uh, these are two situations where these guys both just kind of usurped the options, the higher ceiling options we thought. We're kind of entrenched there in Blake Trinan and Jose Alvarado, where now I think these guys are both going to hold on to these jobs the rest of the way. So definitely Liam Hendricks and Emilio Pagan, two guys I want to own in all leagues. Absolutely. So Hendricks is at 67% rostered. Yeah, so it should be 100. That's a, yeah. I mean, that's a high number in some ways, you know, because some people stop paying attention. But anyways, the other thing is Diego Castillo, 31% rostered. Is he a guy you're comfortable dropping based on what you just said? Yeah, I, I, he hasn't been that good. And this is where it matters to pay attention is you can identify the change in the situation. And like we were, I think we were writing about, I wrote about this about a week ago, I want to say for the 4th of July, we, we were talking about Hendricks is, you know, the guy, like he's not, he's not giving up the job there. You were kind of hearing some of those rumblings once trying came back and you're starting to see that now in Tampa Bay with Pagan and, I, I just think the writing's on the wall there. I don't think you, you have a reason to own Castillo at this point. Uh, yeah, Hendricks, uh, 65 strikeouts and 52 innings on the season, just 17 walks and 35 hits allowed. Uh, who's next? Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Before we get to the next name, George, I want to I remind you, you can use half numbers and you haven't yet. So <laughs> I don't want you to get to the end and have regrets that you didn't use a half number. So just keep that in mind, okay? All right, fine. Daniel Ponce de Leon, 30% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Looks like he's going to stick in the Cardinals rotation for now. He threw six and two-thirds innings of one-run ball with seven strikeouts against the Diamondbacks on Friday. Your faith level is? A 0.5. Wow. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's here's what's weird. It sounds like Michael Walker is going to the bullpen. Adam Wainwright, not exactly the picture of health. He's the reason Ponce de Leon got that start because he was scratched with back spasms on Friday. So, look, here's the thing. Ponce de Leon has not been good at the minor league level. If you go look at his minor league numbers this year, which is pretty much the same environment from a baseball standpoint where they're using the major league ball at AAA level this year. So it's not as much of a difference between the two levels this year, except for the quality of a player, obviously. And he's really struggled. He had a, a ERA just under four, but it walked nearly five per nine and 11 starts in AAA this year. Not great. Not only strikeout rate. He's been much better at the big league level, which right. is I, I'm I don't know why that is. I <laughs> you know, he's made seven appearances, four starts, and he has a sub two ERA with nearly eleven strikeouts per nine and really good control. So something tells me that the Whirlpool principle here says he's he's kinda gonna regress to who he was in the triple A level. It's hard to be two completely different players <laughs> like that. So something tells me he's gonna come back to earth a little bit the more major league hitters see him he only has 31 innings in the big leagues this year so i think those numbers are going to come down as as we can move along here and he gets regular turns in the rotation 
it sounds more it sounds like more than being skeptical of him you are terrified of him like terrified of the idea of just him exploding well, there's point. a lot of warning signs uh the home runs are up at the big league level his strand rate is incredibly high right now like this this looks to me like a textbook case of a guy who's going to get exposed a little bit all right so if you are among the 30 percent who have added him uh proceed with caution throwing him into your lineup one more name to hit a little more obscure in terms of ownership numbers andres munoz the kid with the k-rod style delivery had 58 strikeouts in 35 and two-thirds innings in the minors he's been called up by the padres the 100 plus mile per hour fastball obviously kirby yates is quite entrenched as the padres closer assuming he does not get traded so i want to know how do you evaluate munoz as a pickup uh do you have any interest in him as a pickup in deeper leagues just to get strikeouts etc uh where do you land on this guy yeah, I, I don't know the exact quote that came out, but there was a quote from from someone about Kirby Yates, the potential that he would get traded, and it basically amounted to the asking price is incredibly high. They right. still have another year of team control on Yates, so I, I think it's unlikely they would move him, but we all said this about Brad Hand, and then they ended up getting that huge prospect haul from the Indians and moving him with a year of control on his deal. So I think there's a lot of posturing going on with San Diego where They'd like to contend, and moving Yates would essentially, I think that would cut their legs out from under them. I don't think they have any shot if they made the playoffs to advance at all. So I think you kind of have to keep him, and, and Munoz would be sort of the next in line. But I kind of view him as as how we viewed Dylan Batances in the past, Josh Hader in the past, where these high strikeout middle relievers, they do have a lot of value in deeper formats where they're probably better than, let's say you pick up, you know, Alex Young or Homer Bailey, uh-huh. um, Dario Agrizal, like some of those guys that you may stream that spot with a guy like that. I think I'd rather take a shot on Munoz and, and his three to four innings per week and assume that they're better than anything you're going to get off the waiver wire. One other quick note, I'm going to go off menu for a second here. Denelson, oh, all right. Denelson Lamette, I really like what he's done so far. He has, uh, I think, 14 strikeouts in his first two starts. The control has been halfway decent. So he faced the Dodgers and the Braves, two of the better offenses in the, the National League this year. I think moving forward, Lamette's really going to put up nice numbers. He's going to be a plus in strikeouts as well. So Lamette's the guy I really want in San Diego right now. Okay, so Lamette is rostered in 20%. So he's a guy you're actually quite interested in adding at this point. Yeah, I mean, he was good before the Tommy John surgery. He's missed the last two years because of it. Uh, but you know, in his age 24 season, he was really good at the big league level. Uh, this is a guy we thought was going to be a fantasy ace. I know I thought that at the time. If he could have halfway decent control, he was up over a strikeout per inning and looked like a potential ace. So I think he's he's going to be pretty good down the stretch here. And he's somebody in a deeper format I think will make a difference for you. Okay, so that's your off-the-menu item for today. I'm glad we got one in. Uh, that's about it for us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Uh, please take a moment to rate and review as well if you haven't done that. You can follow us on Twitter. He is at George Bissell. I am at Matt Straub. George, thank you as always for taking the time. We may give you a week off now, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I might have to go on the DL with shoulder stiffness. <laughs> Ten day. Ten day. We can't, we can't oh, afford longer than that. Oh, no, I'm going to have to redo it. the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.